Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thank you. It's nice to be welcomed in such a nice way. Uh, yeah, for those of you that, that don't know me, um, uh, my name's Paul. Um, myself and my wife Amy, um, we lead a small group here in the church, but we also are part of the um, service leading team here on a Sunday morning as well. So um, you might see our faces from time to time. This is this is our space. This is I'm, I'm speaking on home turf today, which is nice. Um, so um, I don't know uh, how much you followed along with the uh, series we've been going on. We're now on week five. Uh, going through the book of James in the New Testament. Uh, and if you have been here, you have been tracking, it's, it's been pretty challenging, hasn't it? So verse 2 of the very first chapter says, Consider it pure joy, good start, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And in the first week of that series, Andrew um, spoke about those verses. He said, trials are inevitable, but growth is optional. Trials are inevitable, but growth is optional. And I imagine that first part feels true. Unless you've led an absolutely, unbelievably sheltered life, then you've probably experienced some trials so far. And I think actually the whole planet has experienced some pretty tough challenges in the last few years. But what we do in response to those challenges is up to us. And actually, throughout this book, James doesn't hold back in telling us how we should live out our faith. Last week, we looked at the verses in chapter 2 when James says that our faith without deeds to back it up is useless. Our faith without deeds to back it up is useless. It's pretty strong words. We can't just believe that Jesus is God and that's enough. Even demons believe that Jesus is God. We are called to submit ourselves to his lordship and demonstrate his love to those around us. So James, in this book, gives us practical advice for what a person transformed by the love of Jesus looks like. And today, we're looking at the power of our tongues. How what we say to other people reflects how much we've really submitted ourselves to Jesus' rule and reign. So James says early on in chapter 1, uh, verse 26, he says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. He's saying here that people who say they're religious show what they're really like by what they say. And so I wonder if you've ever thought quite how powerful words can be. God created the universe with just a few words. Let there be light. Jesus raised people from the dead by speaking words out. Just stand up. Come on out. And as we're made in God's image, we too have a huge impact with the words we say. And I wonder if you reflect back on your lives, how you might uh, realise the influence that certain words of conversations have had. It might have been words like, do you want to be housemates? Maybe it's words you've heard like, you've got the job, when could you start? Maybe it's, would you like to go out for a coffee sometime? You're sensing there's a little bit more than coffee that I mean there. Uh, why don't you come along to our small group? You've met a whole community of people that have made a real impact on your life. Things that teachers, parents and other family members said to you growing up might have stuck with you, replaying in your head throughout your life at different times. And sometimes, sadly, it's hurtful things like, you'll never amount to anything, or why do you always have to behave so badly? For many of us, hopefully, there were lots of positive things that, you, that were said to you while you were growing up. But isn't it true that it's often the hurtful ones that we remember the most? 
Um, there was one critique uh, that a friend made to me while I was at university that is, is really trivial, but it's still something I remember to this day. Um, I was staying at university accommodation, um, and we had all the meals together in a hall, so if you're thinking Hogwarts, it's not far off. <laughs> Um, so we had breakfast, lunch and dinner all together in this hall and I remember one breakfast this friend looked over me and she told me that she found it amusing how meticulously I spread butter on my toast and yet don't get it close enough to the edges. It's such a weird thing to say but for some reason like Almost every time I have toast, I now think about this criticism. That's right. And I, I don't get it because I, like, I feel like I do it normally. If any of you want to watch me, you can give it a go. Like, I feel like it's normal. But isn't it weird that, like, 20 years later, I still remember that criticism that a friend gave me? It's such a small, silly example, but it goes to highlight how easily the comments we make can stick with us. So today we're mostly going to be focusing on um, James chapter 3 and the verses will come up on the screens as well but you might just want to um, leave your fingers in the Bible or open your Bible apps on James 3 um, and he starts off with the first couple of verses. Not many of you should become teachers my fellow believers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So that's a great verse to start a talk with, isn't it? Most people shouldn't be teachers or public speakers because, whoa, are they going to be judged harshly? Is, is it too late to ask you to be gentle with me? James is saying, you can tell what people are really like from what they say. And that means that lots of people are really going to be able to see the truth about you when you stand up in front of an audience and talk for a while. And for those of us on the preaching team here at Birmingham Vineyard, we really try to be honest and humble when we are privileged enough to be invited to speak to you all on a Sunday. But James goes on to say that we all stumble in many ways. But if we could only control what we say, then that would be a pretty good indication of having our lives in check. So he goes on from verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example, although they are small, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We'll stop there for now. So you can tell James delivers this scathing review of what the tongue is like, about how dangerous the words that come out of our mouths can be. And he describes the tongue in four different ways that we're going to go through this morning. So he says, the tongue is powerful, the tongue is destructive, the tongue is uncontrollable, and the tongue is revealing. 
So firstly, the tongue is powerful, like a bit in the mouth of a horse, a metal part that is used to steer for horse riders, or the rudder in a ship. The tongue, although a relatively small part, manages to steer the bigger thing. With an inconsiderate comment, you could end up pushing someone vastly off the trajectory that God has for them. That's a scary thought. Several times in my life, I've taken some fairly significant life decisions that to many people might have seemed unwise. Um, When I first graduated from university, I decided to do a voluntary year out with my church instead of trying to build my career and pay back my student loans. Twice, I moved city many miles away from friends and comfort because I felt like God was asking me to. And actually, when I reflect back on those times, I think how much easier it was to make those tough decisions because I didn't have friends and family saying to me, what do you think you're doing? You're not thinking ahead. You're not planning for your future. And instead, I had family and friends that had encouraging words for me about how brave they thought I was to follow God's leading in those situations. How might my life have taken a very different course if some of those people had been less kind with their words? Maybe you can think of a time in your life when a conversation with someone has either encouraged you or discouraged you to take a certain path. How carefully do we consider what we say to others and what it might mean for their future? Secondly, the tongue is destructive. James says that the tongue has the ability to set a whole forest on fire with just a small spark. It says in verses five to six. And this isn't a problem we're particularly familiar with in the UK, but in other parts of the world that are drier and have vast forests, the destruction that a cigarette butt or an unattended campfire can cause is huge. James says that's the kind of damage our words can have. One example I remember uh, in my 20s when a housemate was checking in on me one day when I wasn't feeling well, and I just snapped back at him because I was in the middle of watching something and he was interrupting me. And, And I honestly think the friendship was never the same again after, just in that one moment. Or something else that's more common nowadays is when someone's career gets derailed by an old comment or tweet made years ago that's dug up and is now considered controversial or disrespectful. With a platform that we have, with social media, it's not just what we say out loud that we have to be careful of. Our posts and our online comments can be cruel and hurtful to people we may never even meet. So we can see how the tongue is destructive. Uh, Thirdly, the tongue is uncontrollable. So he talks about humans have tamed all sorts of wild animals. So I've managed to find some pictures of animals that we've tamed. (laughs) I don't know if you're brave enough to read a book with a bear. (laughs) Some pretty scary stuff. So we've managed to tame those animals and many more. But James says we are unable to tame the tongue. Unfortunately, James says, we can't follow some formula or pattern of behavior to help us control our tongues. We need a fundamental change of heart, and only God can help us with that. Well, you may be starting to feel a little hopeless. What's the point in trying to control what we say if it's impossible? Well, stick with us, because James is going to talk more about how godly wisdom can help. Um, But before that, fourth, uh, the tongue is revealing 
James says, what springs out of our mouths shows what's really in our hearts. A fig tree doesn't produce olives, nor does a grapevine produce figs. I'm actually not familiar with those kind of things. If you think you don't get oranges from an apple tree or cherries from a blackberry bush or whatever produce you're more familiar with. Um, And in the same way, a heart that has truly been changed by God's love will produce words that are kind and gentle. Jesus also taught what comes out of the mouth is a sign what is really there deep in the heart. It says in Matthew 12 and Luke 6. Um, And I guess it's relatively easy for most of us to follow the rules, to be good law-abiding citizens most of the time. You stop occasionally to let a pedestrian cross the road. You hold a door open for a stranger. Uh, Maybe you get a thoughtful birthday gift for a friend or family member. But for me, what is a lot harder is when I'm tired and frustrated not to blurt out a selfish or hurtful comment. Or when I'm casually talking with colleagues, not saying that hilarious joke that popped into my head when it might belittle or embarrass someone else. James says that with the same tongue that we praise God with, as we have done this morning, we then say something mean to another person. And that person was created in God's image. We say that with the same tongue. Do we give the same consideration when we're talking about other people in the week as we do when we're singing God's praises at church on a Sunday? James concludes that the tongue reveals the envy that exists in people's hearts. That there's something about our selfish attitudes that can't keep itself to itself. It bubbles up out from our mouths. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. Oh, you should hear about some of the stupid things they've done. Or oh, I'm a saint compared to them. I can come across as a perfectly pleasant person most of the time, but then in a brief moment of self-control, I reveal the true nature of my heart through something I say. Often to do something wrong, you know, to throw a bit brick through someone's window or steal something from a shop that requires at least a moment of thought some brief planning but a misspoken word comes out in what seems like an instant with no hope of retracting it what are those moments for you when you feel like you want to rewind time and unsay something What hope do we have if the tongue is so destructive and impossible to tame? It's so difficult to control what we say because it reveals the selfishness that's probably in all our hearts. Well, Jesus followed these verses by talking about wisdom. And he's already said in chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. What does it look like for someone to live out their life full of wisdom given generously from God? And what does it look like when someone tries to be wise all in their own strength? So continuing in James chapter 3 from verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. If you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, 
then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Jesus talks about these two types of wisdom. Earthly wisdom says that you'll be much more admired if you diminish and put down people around you. And for me, this seems particularly common in politics at the moment. Whenever I get a flyer through the post from a political party, it spends most of it telling you how bad the other party is doing or has done. And a similar thing seems to happen on the international stage as well. Sometimes it even results in petty name-calling and constant accusations of opponents. But in these verses, James briefly summarizes three aspects of wisdom. So we're very quickly going to go through these three things. Firstly, the nature of wisdom, uh, the source of wisdom, and the fruit of wisdom. The nature of wisdom in verses 13 to 14. So we show that we have real wisdom, not when we badmouth other people, but when we practically and humbly demonstrate Jesus' love to those around us. And actually, it feels like we're liberated from the desire to make ourselves look good or get further ahead at someone's expense. And there's real freedom in that. So that's the nature of wisdom, the source of wisdom, verses 15 to 16. James says that it's easy to tell where these two different types of wisdom come from. The selfish, envious kind is earthly, even demonic. He doesn't hold back the punches in how he describes this type of wisdom. That intention of that kind of wisdom is to divide communities and break up relationships, not to draw people closer together and closer to Jesus. Heavenly wisdom is different. How do we make sure we tap into this source of heavenly wisdom? What came to mind for me was when Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So let's tap into the heavenly things and cut off our supply of selfish, envious thought. And finally, the fruit of wisdom that James talks about in verses 16, 17, and 18. Finally, James says you'll be able to tell what kind of wisdom someone has from the fruit that's shown in their lives. Where people are driven by their own ego, you often find chaos and disorder because they don't know how to cope when they don't always get what they want. But conversely, when someone has heavenly wisdom, it will be evident in the peace, gentleness, and mercy that is sown from their kind words. So what can we take away from James's challenging words about the tongue? What steps do we need to take to become more like the peacemakers that James describes at the end of this chapter rather than the owners of the destructive tongues that he mentions earlier? Well, the challenge is, as as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
How can we see our tongues become more familiar with speaking out words of encouragement and less familiar with criticisms? Ultimately, we need to submit ourselves to God's mercy as it's simply not possible without him. We need to ask him to fill us up with his Holy Spirit and perform a heart transplant on our tongues. Um, so we're going to move into a time of ministry and just reflecting on what God might be speaking to us as individual now. So could I ask if you stand, if you're able to? There were a few practical things that, that came to my mind as I was going with this topic, and I just want to share um, some of them to see if that's something that the Lord might be pressing on you. Um, the, the idea you might think when you're talking about the subject to the, uh, the uh, old adage of the sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Let's be honest, friends, that's not true. We know that not to be true. We need to be aware that the power of our words can have an effect on the course of someone's life. We need to identify when we're likely to say something unkind. And in those moments, ask the Holy Spirit to make us aware of our tongues and give us a heavenly perspective of the person before us. I also felt like there might be people in the room that there's specific things that they feel like they've said to other people that they've been challenged by God that they need to say sorry for. Um, and the sense was it's not too late. I don't know if that thing that comes to your mind was last week or last year. If you can still get in contact with that person, you can still say sorry. And maybe they won't remember it. <laughs> but for you, it will be taking a weight off your heart. So I'd really encourage you to do something practical with that. If that comes to mind, um, you know, send a text to that person and say, can we meet up? I want to talk to you or just connect with that person. Following on from that, I also felt as well that there might be people in the room um, listening uh, now or uh, listening later that are um, holding on to some guilt that they've said something unkind to someone and maybe that person's passed away, but you're still holding on to that burden of guilt. And I really felt like God wanted to bring some healing into that situation to bring you forgiveness where you thought there was no hope for forgiveness. So if that's something um, that you feel as well, we would love the chance to pray for you. I feel as well that um, we, need, we just need to be aware <laughs> of the words that we're listening to, the, the sources um, that we're taking in. It might, be, um, it might be the people we spend time with. It might be what we read and what we watch online. That We feel like it's that, that selfish um, kind of words that you're hearing and you're taking that and you're influenced by that. Um, and I just felt there might be a challenge to reorientate your life, to, to be around and to be reading and consuming um, kind, self, uh, um, humble words rather than selfish words. And I'm also just aware that there might be people um, that have never heard the gentle, kind voice of Jesus upon their life before. If that's, if that's you, if, you're, if you feel like your life has been people speaking um, unkind things about you and you've not yet had the, the beautiful moment of Jesus speaking kind words over you, and we would love to introduce you. We would love to um, tell you more about Jesus, to introduce you to him, to um, anything kind we say is probably from him anyway. So why not be him? 
Should we just take a moment to invite the Holy Spirit just to speak to us? Let's just bow our heads. Let's just focus on the Lord. Um, we've had a lot of um, guidance there from Paul, but let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, would you come? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.